Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Village Church, each and every one of you. Uh, our mission here is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus in everything that we do. And our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. If you're a guest today here, uh, you are most welcome. We are glad you're here. There are some guest information cards just through the door on the left, uh, which we would love for you to fill out uh, so we can get some more information on you and, um, and contact you. Uh, our senior pastor, Reverend Alex Shipman, continues his sabbatical through the end of the year. If you have any questions or concerns, uh, just see one of the elders. I'm one of the elders. There's several uh, here who are here today as well. A uh, reminder, the nursery is open today, so uh, if you have a need for that, please feel free to use it. At the Village Church, we do believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. Uh, you may give to the vision and mission of our church uh, by going to the link on our webpage, www.innervillage.net slash give, or you can mail a check, check to our physical address, 2103 Virginia Boulevard. Or you can just drop a, uh, your offering into the offering plate just before you get to the door on the left there. Uh, today, we offer, we welcome Lyle Lee to our uh, pulpit. Thank you so much for being here, Lyle. As you know, this is just a great, tremendous help to Alex to have you here. And so we very much appreciate you bringing the word to us today. Um, all of you are invited to join us after the service. We're having a celebration of our 10th anniversary as a church here uh, today. And so uh, we'll be, we'll be uh, having food afterwards and a time to fellowship. Uh, some of the folks here have been here since the very beginning, since for 10 years, and uh, some are, have just started coming. So uh, no matter how long you've been here, whether you're a guest or a member, uh, feel free to join us right after the service. Uh, a couple of notes about um, women's Bible study. There is Normally we would have a women's Bible study on November 15th, um, but we're not going to do that. Uh, that has actually been put off until uh, the 22nd. So the next women's Bible study, inductive study of John, 630 on the 22nd. Is that, did I get that right? Okay. Good. November 17th, this week, women's ministry is having a friend's giving at 6 o'clock at the home of Jessica Williams. Um, there was a flock note that went out about that. If you did not receive that flock note and you uh, are interested in attending that, uh, um, uh, who, who can uh, they see? Anybody here that uh, you contact? Well, just come see me afterwards, and we can get you connected with that. Um, so also, th it's the third Wednesday of the month. This month, corporate prayer will be at 6 p.m. here at the church. Uh, and that is, and also on Zoom. So that's the uh, announcements for today. So um, thank you very much.
morning.
just here in this moment in this room but we were created for your glory Lord help us remember that it's all about you Jesus you are the center of everything that we do it's not about us
hearts, that you would soften our hearts. We can't make our hearts right, but that we'd be willing, be willing as we are coming to you this morning with open arms, with our sacrifice of praise. We're coming to you, casting our cares at your feet, knowing that you care for us. Lord, let this be just a sweet time of fellowship with you and with one another this morning. Father, we love you. We praise you. We glorify your name. It is in the matchless name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you would please stand with us for our call to worship. It's taken from the song, the hymn, Rejoice the Lord is King. Please join with me where it notes uh, congregation. Rejoice, the Lord is king. Your Lord and king adore. Rejoice, give thanks and sing, and triumph evermore. Lift up your heart. Lift up your voice. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. His kingdom cannot fail. He rules over earth and heaven. The kings of death and hell are to our Jesus given. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice again, I say rejoice. Will you rejoice with me this morning? Be glorified, Jesus, be glorified.
Praise the Lord, saints. Amen. This is a day that the Lord has made and we rejoice in being glad in it. Now is the time that we have time to confess and reflect on our sin throughout the week. Um, and just really focus on Christ and trust him to forgive us of our sins. Right, Lyle? Amen. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, but it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it's not. It cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Let us reflect. Through our blessed Savior, we have a way of escape. For his blood covered our sins, and we'll, I'll read to you the assurance of pardon. For I, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor heights nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. Shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light and salvation. 
pastors on sabbatical do you really believe that on monday morning tuesday morning wednesday morning thursday morning friday morning reflect on that for our scripture reading we're reading from colossians one and sometimes we have guest pastors and they'll have a take a do a change and have a stand during the scripture reading and we have a guest pastor today but he's not really a guest to most of us um so i would Let's ask you if you possible, if you can, please stand as we hear God's word. This is a very significant passage. I think I do that just give reverence to God's word. Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20. He, talking about Christ, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Join with me now in time of prayer. Father in heaven, uh, you indeed sent your son to take our penalty on the cross. And through his blood, we are healed. We are at peace with you because of what he has done. And Father, as we sang earlier, there'll be one day when all people will bow before you and acknowledge Jesus as Lord. 
want to thank you that you are indeed Lord. Help us to embrace that this coming week. And fathers, we celebrate uh, 10 years as a church here. Just pause and give thanks for what you've done, what you're doing, uh, the people you've brought to us, the kids we're influencing, uh, the families we're influencing, the outreach we're having, Father, for the leadership you've provided. Father, for all these things, we give you thanks. We couldn't do this in our strength. It's by your Spirit that you bring these things about. As we celebrate today at this lunchtime later on, help us to reflect on your faithfulness, your goodness your love for us. And Father, as we sang earlier also, we should not fear. Uh, you are our stronghold. You are our light and salvation, Father. Thank you for the promises you give us in your word, for your faithfulness. We see it in creation, the beautiful day you've provided to us today. I just pray you would use your word as it goes forth this morning to encourage us, to convict us, yes, to help us, Father, to trust in you another week, to press on, where you've placed us, to be salt and light in the difficult places where you've placed us. For those struggling with sickness, um, relationship issues, family issues, or school issues, work issues, or lack of work issues, Father, for, for all these things that we struggle with each day, we pray that you would be our comforter, our provider, and our source of strength, Father, as we've sung this morning. As your word goes forth this morning, use Lyle to impress upon us by your spirit that you are with us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your redeeming love and your grace in our lives. We give you praise with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Larry for that scripture reading and for the prayer. Thank you uh, to the worship team. You don't have to turn my volume up too much. I'm going to get there eventually. The, uh, the passage you guys have in your bulletin is correct. However, uh, as I kept praying and studying and writing throughout this week, the focus, the topic changed. And so uh, we will be looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 17 through 18a. Uh, but the topic for today on this 10-year church anniversary is the church, uh, Christ the head. Uh, we won't focus on the church body as of today. We're going to focus on Christ as the head. It's a blessing to be here with you all. I, I am uh, I'm delighted. You, uh, you must know I am delighted to preach on Sundays here. Uh, uh, but I do have a stipulation for the church and for Pastor Alex whenever he was choosing. And that has always been, you can ask me any Sunday to preach for you all. I, I have no problem with that. As long as you have checked everyone else off of your list. Um, quite busy and tired sometimes, and, uh, and, uh, and because of that, I, I don't want uh, things to be sacrificed unnecessarily, and so Cynthia emailed me, and in the email about three or four weeks ago, she said, we need you to preach November 14th, 
and she had already included in the email the number of people they have asked. And then I told her I would do it. And then Dr. Powell, not too long, maybe two or three days later, Dr. Uh, uh, Benjamin, Dr. Powell said, oh, yeah, that's our church anniversary. And, and I was like, well, now I've got to be really happy about preaching it. <laughs> Ten years, huh? Ten years we've been here. Uh, what a blessing um, to the all-wise God, the omnipotent, omnipotent God, uh, to my family, uh, my beautiful wife, uh, and my son, who, if you all recall, last time I preached, wanted to remind you all to be aware of the dinosaurs and T-Rexes. And so uh, he has brought his dinosaur backpack in today. So we'll see what he brings out during the sermon. And, uh, and to our, uh, as many of you all know, to our expecting daughter that my wife is so carefully carrying, uh, we are glad to be here today. We uh, give homage and uh, we pay respect to Alex and his family in their absence as they are on sabbatical. Um, and to the elders and deacons of this church, uh, what a wonderful session we do have. In fact, <clears throat> last Sunday, our youth um, decided to make you all, I'm not going to hand them out today, right now, you can get them after service, but our youth uh, made you all thank you cards and uh, for the session. So if you're a deacon or an elder, please make sure you come up here and uh, grab one of these thank you cards uh, for serving the Village Church. Uh, we are... Uh, delighted for you all and to those that play many roles here at the church. Gardner C. Taylor, the late Gardner C. Taylor, uh, described preaching as the sweet torture of Sunday morning. And uh, James, the late James Earl Massey, both doctor, reverends, reverend doctors, um, he described it as a burdensome joy. And you can look throughout uh, church history at pastors who had the hardest time standing up on Sunday mornings. Um, and living, uh, their, keeping their mentality intact throughout the week. Uh, in, fact, in fact, probably the prince of preachers, what many call Charles Spurgeon, would <clears throat> have the hardest time that his deacons would have to carry him up to the pulpit after he had his spells each morning, each Sunday morning. And so for that, I do ask you all to join me in prayer. The Lord, be with us now. <clears throat> be with us as we go through what you have for us to hear about uh, the church in Colossians and the church here today, uh, the church of the world, um, the united body of Christ, which he is the head. Even now, Lord, we thank you to allow us to uh, experience this moment of celebration. We ask that you will remind us to give all credit to you. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, Paul is writing uh, the letter of Colossians uh, during his first imprisonment in Rome <clears throat> he is writing to a church in Colossae that he has not visited he has not met the people he do not he does not know the people there in the church he did not start the church in fact uh, we believe that Epaphras or Epaphras was the one that started this church. And he would go and visit Paul in prison and report to him about what's going on in the church. Here we have Tychicus and Onesimus delivering this letter to the church in Colossae. And you'll later see, uh, as you continue to read the Bible, uh, that there's one member named Philemon uh, in the congregation. And they bring the letter to him there as well. 
So Paul is a prisoner in Rome, and we believe that Epaphras, or Epaphras, is a, um, a member in prison with him at this moment. Uh, we can get this from chapter 4, verse 12 of uh, Colossians, and from Philemon, verse 23. There's only one chapter where he announces Epaphras as a fellow uh, bond servant uh, in prison, his fellow prison mate. He opens the letter with his standard greeting, right? Paul, an apostle. He is called by Christ to be an apostle. This was not of his own choosing. In fact, I believe that most Christians uh, would have enough sense to acknowledge that they did not choose Christ, but Christ chose them. And he is a bondservant of Christ, not in a, just a literal sense that he's in prison all the time, but that he is a slave to Christ. And you're a slave to something. Yeah, you're going to be a slave to something, and, and why not Christ? Paul actually says that he uses his freedom in Christ to become his slave. Christ gave him a choice to, to be free, and he chose to be a slave to Christ. And he follows this opening of chapter 1, uh, giving thanks to God. You, you see this prayer of thanksgiving. He gives thanks to God for the faithfulness of the church in Colossians. In Colossae, he thanks God for their faith and he prays that God would see them through to the end. He prays for their faithfulness and prays that it will continue. And then we get to verse 15 through verse 20. And many scholars, theologians, pastors believe that this was some sort of hymn or song when you read it. Uh, the words are so powerful in the content that Larry said, let us stand for the reading of God's word. Some believe that perhaps, we don't, we don't know for sure, but perhaps uh, this was a popular hymn song in the church during that day and time, and Paul was writing something they already knew. Or perhaps Paul, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, wrote this himself, and maybe it became a popular hymn in the church during that time, but However you want to look at it, whether it's a simple passage to you or a poem or a hymn, it is a powerful reminder of the power of Christ and his preeminence. He is the greatest of all. And so Paul flows in chapter 1 from acknowledging the church faith in Christ to this section, reminding them of who this Christ is. It appears that he is responding to heresies going on in the church that Epaphras has updated him on. Uh, these heresies appear to be that of Gnosticism, asceticism, and Greek philosophies. And some of that has led the people in the church to question Christ's deity and humanity and whether or not circumcision is required in addition to faith for salvation. The issues that Paul is addressing can be summarized in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow, empty, and deceptive thought. Take, uh, take, see to it that no one deceives you with any philosophy which depends on human tradition and the principles of this world rather than depending on Christ. And so then... 
Paul opens up this section, verses 15 through 20, by saying that he is, referring to Christ, the image of the invisible God. This word here, image, is what we get uh, from the Greek. This is where we get our English word icon. He is an exact representation of the invisible God. Now, here's what, it, here's what we're not saying. We're not saying that the physical body that Jesus is, is walking around in, that this is exactly what God looks like. I know that because God is spirit and he's invisible. What he is talking about is the attributes of God, the characteristics of God. And he's saying that if you want to know what God is like, look at Christ. When I look at you, I don't see God. Now, you are made in the image of God, but you are not the exact image of God. In fact, there has not been one prophet, one king, one priest, one, one false idol out there that can take the, the, the credit for being the exact icon, the exact image of God. Jesus said in John 14, 9, uh, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. He is the image of the invisible God, and God is invisible. Uh, Exodus thirty-three twenty, God tells Moses, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 18 says that no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son. Only Christ has seen God in his fullness and in his full glory. Only Christ. In fact, you may recall as you read your Bibles daily that the angels in heaven have their face covered with one of their sets of wings. You cannot look at God in his full glory and live. He is the image of the invisible God. But not only that, Paul says he is the firstborn of all creation. Now, this can be problematic if we don't understand what this phrase firstborn means in the context of firstborn of all creation. Because that may cause some to think he was the first creature or first thing being created. But here's the problem. Christ wasn't created. Now listen, this is a problem amongst the church. I was looking at some statistics recently uh, for my doctoral program, and there are some that believe that Christ at one point did not exist and God created him. That's why we say he is the eternal begotten son. He has always existed. So what does it mean then for him to be the firstborn of all creation? It is not referring to him being created. It is a title referring to his ranking. He is the greatest of all creation. Well, let me explain that because some of y'all are not uh, quite sold on that. Exodus 4 22, God says to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Now, we all know that Israel was not the firstborn. Either referring to the nation, Israel was not the first of any nations. If we want to refer to Israel, uh, who was formerly known as Jacob, he was not the firstborn of, of his family. And if we want to keep going back, we know that there was many people born before Israel. What God is telling Pharaoh is that Israel, the nation, is his selected nation to be the greatest of all nations. Psalm 89 verse 27, 
God says, I also shall make him, referring to the king through the line of David, this Davidic king, I shall also make him my firstborn. And he qualifies or he explains what that means, the highest of the kings of the earth. So Jesus here, being referred to as the firstborn, he is the highest in ranking and authority. He is the rightful Lord over all creation. Hebrews 1.4 says this, He is superior to the angels, and his name is greater than theirs. Hebrews goes on to say in verse 6, He again brings the firstborn into the world. God brings Christ the firstborn into the world and says this, And let all the angels of God worship him. He is the firstborn. In case... We are not clear on where Christ stands in relation to creation. Paul says this in verse 16. For by him all things were created. See, he himself cannot be created if all things through him and by him are created. Let me, let me, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Paul is making the case that it is all about Jesus. It is all from Jesus. And check this out. It is all for Jesus. Now, we can get technical about these different terms of visible and invisible and thrones. And He's where he's saying, whether you can see it or not, it's from God and for God. Whether it's on earth or in heaven, it is from Christ and for Christ. And these thrones and dominions, it, it, listen, whether it's a spiritual ruler or a human creature ruler, it is from Christ and for Christ. It is all from and for Jesus. Verse 17 tells us that, all these things were held together by him. Isn't that amazing? Now, now, science says that all things are made up and held together by these things called atoms. You guys, you, you know atoms, neutrons, protons, and electrons. And, you know, I got questions about that. And I would ask, well, then, what holds the atoms together? And many of you all are smarter than me, so you already know that, well, clearly we know that the covalent bonds hold the atoms together. But, but you, you got to see my point. My point is I'm going to keep asking the question, well, what holds that together? And you may have an answer for what holds that together. And then I ask again, well, what, what holds that together? And we get, keep going back and forth to the, we get to the point where I say, what holds that together? And you say, I don't know. And my response is, I know. Jesus. Jesus is he who holds all things together. He holds this universe together. Some scholars looking at this finely tuned universe describes it as being balanced on the tip of a needle. My brothers and sisters, we do not have to worry about the universe falling off that needle because Christ is holding all things together in his hand. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing to realize that the one who holds all things together in his hand holds your hand. It's amazing to realize that the one who holds all things together in his hand has your name engraved on it. Christ 
holds his created universe together. This is true also for you and your life. Christ holds it together. Don't believe, my brothers and sisters, that you're doing something so right that your life is together. Christ is the one that holds it together. Do not think that it's because of your good looks. And and you all do look beautiful today. It is Christ who holds all things together. Do not believe it is because of your intelligence or your strength or your job or your willpower, your humor or patience or persistence. It is one reason, there is one reason that your life is held together and it's by one person and it's not you. It is held together by the one in Romans 8 that is working all things together for the good of those called according to his purpose. It is held together by the one in Romans 8 that is conforming us to his image as he is the image of the invisible God. It is held together by the one in Romans 8 that promises that death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor present things, nor future things, nor powers, or heights, or depth, anything else in creation can separate us from him. It is held together by the one who rose from the dead and declared he has all power. And the irony in this all is that the holes in his hands are proof that he can and will hold it together. How can this be? Because all things are by him, through him, for him, from him, and held under his authority. He holds your life together, but not just the universe, not just your life, but the point I want to focus on today is that he holds this church together. Verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. Without the head, the body dies. As Paul continues to exalt the name of Christ through correcting any misconception of who he is, he shifts his focus from Christ being creator to Christ being redeemer. Verse 15, 16, and 17 emphasizes that Christ is creator and sustainer of all creation. Verses 18, 19, and 20 emphasize that he is redeemer and sustainer of all that are his. He is the head of the body, the church. There there are quite a few metaphors. There's quite a few metaphors in the Bible of Christ in in relation to his people. Uh, John 15, 5 says that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. First uh, Peter 2, 4 says that Jesus is the cornerstone and we are the living blocks of stones built upon him. Uh, the Gospels, Ephesians, and Revelation states that Christ is the bridegroom and we are his bride. In Ephesians, we also see the image of Christ being the head of the body, the church, and it says this right here. Wives, submit to your own husbands. As to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself his Savior. Uh, there was a man that heard that pastor's preaching in church one day. He went home and told his wife that the Bible says he is the head. He is the head, he said. The Bible says, I'm the head of this family, I'm the head of this house, and I'm the head of this marriage. The wife looked at him and said, 
you are the head and I'm the neck. And I will tell that head where to go, where I want it to go. My brothers and sisters, the issue in the body of Christ is not that there are necks trying to tell Christ the head what to do and where to go. The issue in many churches is that the members of the body are trying to replace the head altogether. But because I'm being brief, I just want to make it clear that here at the Village Church, there is only one head. Now, I love Pastor Alex. Uh, he and I have shared many great moments together. Uh, he was gracious enough to select me as the first to go through his rise initiative here at the Village Church. Uh, we've known each other for over 10 years. We have worked together in the service of this community since I was hired, July 10, 2011. Pastor Alex has officiated my wedding. He is the pastor of the church, but Pastor Alex Shimon is not the head of this church. The elders and deacons of the church have done an amazing job. The time and sacrifices made for the sake of this building's upkeep, the members' safety, the vision and mission being fulfilled, and the support from their family and loved ones to make such sacrifices is not ignored. The presbyteros, that is, the elders, the diaconor, that is, the deacons, the only two offices that Christ appoints for the body of the church, those that rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor. But they are not the head of this church. The worship leaders sing so wonderfully, and the musicians are talented from heaven above, but they are not the head of this church. And there are many that have given generous in their giving, as Christ has been generous to them. This act of cheerful provision is a sweet aroma to God, and I pray that everything that they are given will be measured back to them, but they are not the head of this church. The head of this church is not only the firstborn of all creation, but Paul says in verse 18, he is the firstborn from the dead. Now, I know that the son of the widow in 1 Kings 17 was revived by Elijah, but he died again. I, I know that the Shunammite son in 2 Kings 4 and this random dead man in 2 Kings 13 were revived by Elijah, Elisha and Elisha's bones but they died again. I am fully aware that Jesus revived the widow's son in Luke 7, Jairus' daughter in Mark 5, and Lazarus in John 11, but they all died again. Jesus is the firstborn of the dead in the sense that he has his reincarnated body, and he will never die again. But not just that, he is the firstborn. Remember I said firstborn is this title of ranking. He is the greatest of all that have been and will be resurrected from the grave. That is those that belong to his church. And this church that I'm referring to is the body of Christ. Now listen, some are the hands and some are the feet. Some of you all are the ears and some are the mouth, but... The point is that the body should do what the head tells it to do. The body should reflect the desires and mentality and the thoughts of the head. And members of the body, you are to be connected to the body. We cannot all be the eyes and the ears, but we are to be part of the body. 
We cannot all be hands and feet, but we are to be part of the body. And whatever body parts you are, you are supposed to represent Christ, the head. If you are the lips, speak truth with grace. If you are the eyes, seek justice and mercy. If you are the arms, embrace others with the love of God. But whatever you do, represent Christ, the head. If you are the legs, stand for those that cannot stand for themselves. If you are the hands, hold on to your hope and joy. If you are the feet, walk humbly with our God. But whatever you do, represent Christ, the head. We, the body, are to represent Christ the head well. Some of you all recall when the families came and joined the temporary session to help plant this church in this community. That was the body representing the head. When a youth from our church became sick for months, vomiting throughout each day during those months, and doctors and specialists from different hospitals and universities didn't know what to do. The church took turns fasting for days since the kid himself could not eat for days. That was the body representing the head. When a mother became sick and hospitalized and the church visited her every day and took in her children for months at a time, that was the church representing the head. When the church began to meet on Wednesdays over a year ago to pray for the issues of this congregation and community and nation, that was the church representing the head. And I talked to Pastor Alex a couple days ago. And he told me to thank you all for granting his family this sabbatical. He said it has been a time that they all needed to become refreshed and restored. Granting Pastor Alex this time away is the church representing the head. If you read on down in Colossians with me, you will see that the head of this church fully pleased God the Father. I can hear the Father affirm Christ in Matthew 3.17, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. The head of this church stepped down from eternity to rescue his bride. The head of this church has reconciled all things by the blood of his cross. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. The head of this church was stretched wide and hung high. He hung his head for me. He died. The head of this church was buried in a borrowed tomb. And early that Sunday morning, he got up from the grave declaring he has all power in heaven and on earth. Who is the head of this church? He is the king of glory. Who is this king of glory? The Lord mighty in battle. The Lord strong and mighty. Lift up your hands, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may enter. Who is this king of glory? Jesus, the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. The old church used to say that the head of this church is a bridge over troubled waters. He is a lily in the valley of bright and morning star, prince of peace, light of the world, way maker, chain breaker, alpha and omega, beginning and end. The one who was and is and is to come, the head of this church. 
is Emmanuel, God with us. Wonderful counselor, a will in the middle of the will. He is Jesus, and he and he alone is the head of this church. Amen? All righty, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for being the head of this church. For without you being the head of this church, we would not have made it 10 days, much more 10 years. We would not have made it 10 hours without you being the head of this church. So, Father, we ask that you will continue to be the center of this church. That you will continue to show that you are the almighty Christ, that you are Lord and superior to all, and that you alone have authority over this church. Give us the wisdom, the humility to follow you in your leadership. In Christ's name we pray, who is the head of this church. Amen. Will you stand with me?
from Philippians chapter 4 uh, verses 19 and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus now unto our God and Father be the glory forever and ever, and ever. amen alright Dr. Powell 